Welcome to Grace Abounds. I'm Pastor Jen Shaw, and in this podcast, I'm sharing my Sunday sermons from St. John's Lutheran Church, Palm Desert, California. I'm so grateful that you've joined us, and I trust that these words build you up in faith, hope, and love. In her TED Talk, The Power of Vulnerability, Professor Brene Brown discusses her observations regarding human connection and that what hinders connection is shame and what fosters connection is vulnerability. In conducting hundreds of interviews, Brown discovered individuals whom she calls wholehearted people. Wholehearted people were willing to be vulnerable, willing to open themselves up to hurt for the sake of relationship. Wholehearted people feel that they are worthy of love and belonging. They have the courage to be themselves, compassion for themselves and others, authenticity in their relationships. Brown says, They talked about the willingness to say, I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. Wholehearted people are willing to be vulnerable for the sake of love. Mary of Bethany demonstrates wholehearted living in our gospel reading for today. At the end of Jesus' public ministry, the night before he will make his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, six days before he will share his last supper with his disciples, Jesus is in Bethany, in the home of siblings, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, a family whom Jesus loved and who loved Jesus. Mary, who sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his words. Martha, who often hosted Jesus and his disciples in her home and who declared that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one coming into the world. And their brother Lazarus, whom Jesus had very recently brought back from death to life a profound experience demonstrating who Jesus Christ is, the God of all creation in the flesh, the source and sustainer of life. The raising of Lazarus was a sign that led many to believe in Jesus. It was also a threat to the religious and political authorities in the nearby metropolis of Jerusalem, who were at that very moment while Jesus was in Bethany seeking him so that they could have him arrested and killed. Jesus is a wanted man when this family welcomes him into their home and they take a significant risk in doing so. But they're willing to do so because Jesus is their friend. Imagine the dinner scene. In that time and place, people did not eat the 
heels, sitting in chairs around a table with legs. They ate their meals lying down on cushions around a low table, reclining on their left elbow, eating with their right hand, with their feet out behind them. And the tables were generally set up three tables in a U-shape with the fourth side open, with three or four people at a table. So this setup could hold 12. At this particular meal, Martha, not surprisingly, is serving. Lazarus is reclining at the table quietly. The Gospels don't record a single word spoken by Lazarus. The disciples are gathered around. Jesus is sharing a meal with his friends, knowing what is to come. And then Mary of Bethany comes in with a pound of perfume, pours it over the feet of Jesus, and wipes his feet with her hair. This costly perfume was made of pure nard, a fragrant plant native to India, and so it would have been imported, and so it would have been rare and expensive. As Judas Iscariot calculates, it was worth 300 denarii, a year's wages, roughly $40,000 in today's currency. This was a recklessly extravagant gift. And then, Mary gets down on her hands and knees and wipes his feet with her hair. This was not something that proper Jewish women did. They did not let their hair down in public. It was supposed to be covered. They did not touch a man in public, let alone a man who was not their husband. And they certainly did not clean feet with their hair. Imagine if someone did this at one of your dinner parties. This is an act of humility and courage and love. Mary of Bethany was willing to be vulnerable in her love for Jesus. She was willing to open herself up to scorn and rejection and reprimand, which she received. She held nothing back. She gave wholeheartedly. And in this act of love, Mary is anointing Jesus. In that time and place, the first step in embalming a body was covering it with oils and perfumes. And so Mary is, as Jesus says, preparing him for his burial. Kings were also anointed when they were consecrated to serve and lead the people. And so in this act of love, Mary is signifying that Jesus is both our Savior his suffering that is to come for us and our salvation, and our Lord, the King of all creation, who will conquer death and give us life eternal. Now perhaps Mary is expressing 
her gratitude for raising her brother from death to life and for all he's done for the family. Perhaps Mary is expressing her devotion to Jesus as his disciple. But perhaps Mary understands more fully than the others what is about to come. She sat listening to Jesus. And Jesus has been saying openly that when they arrive in Jerusalem, he will undergo great suffering and be rejected and be killed and on the third day rise again to life. Which he does. Demonstrating his profound love for us. In his suffering, death, and resurrection, Jesus Christ demonstrated humility and courage and love. God in Jesus Christ was willing to be vulnerable in compassion for us, open himself up to rejection and scorn and suffering at the hands of those who did not understand. He held nothing back. He gave wholeheartedly. He gave his life for ours. I've shared previously that in the summer of 2011, I had the opportunity to visit the Holy Land. And during our time there, a friend and I, early one Sunday morning, walked the Via della Rosa, the way of suffering, the path historically understood to be the path that Jesus took through the city of Jerusalem from the place where he was sentenced by Pontius Pilate to the place where he suffered, died, and was buried, and on the third day rose again to life. And on that path, there are 14 stations of the cross, and we stopped at those stations along the way. I remember in particular the seventh station of the cross, where, historically understood, Jesus fell again, a second time. I was so struck by that, a second time. I stood there picturing Jesus carrying the cross on which he would die, beaten and bloodied and bruised and so physically weak that he fell again. And I was overwhelmed with what a beautiful and painful act of love this was, that the God of all creation would suffer this to heal me, to heal us, to heal the whole world. In his suffering, death, and resurrection, in his incarnation, joining with us in our humanity, in his words and actions, teaching us and showing us how to love, how to live. Jesus Christ makes God known to us. And not just knowledge in terms of intellectual understanding, but in terms of connection, relationship, belonging. Not just the head, but also the heart and the body and the soul. Not just knowing about God, knowing God. The Apostle Paul knew God. 
He knew the power of the cross and the empty tomb. He knew the love of Jesus Christ. As he writes to his friends in the Philippians reading we heard today, Jesus Christ, who called Paul by name, who turned him around on that road to Damascus, who changed his life forever. And in response, Paul demonstrated humility and courage and love. Paul gave up everything for the sake of the gospel. His former religious beliefs, his identity, his social status, his health, his physical safety and comfort. There is an amazing list in 2 Corinthians in which Paul recounts all he endured for the sake of the gospel. Beatings and imprisonments and shipwrecks and sleepless nights and hunger and thirst. Paul eventually gave up his life in proclaiming the good news of life and salvation in Jesus Christ. Paul was willing to be vulnerable. He opened himself up to being scorned and rejected and to suffering at the hands of those who did not understand. He held nothing back. He gave wholeheartedly. And he did so in the sure and certain faith that nothing surpasses knowing Jesus Christ. In knowing the suffering and death of Jesus, he will know the power of Christ's resurrection. He will someday join all the saints in glory when Christ comes again and makes all things new, makes all things whole, makes all things well. And so Paul forgot what was behind and pressed forward to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of him. And so may we follow the example of Paul and Mary of Bethany and our Lord Jesus Christ. May we be people of humility and courage and love. May we forget what lies behind and press forward to what lies ahead. May we give fully and freely of ourselves in service to God and each other. May we live wholehearted lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're doing this every week, so make sure to subscribe. If you'd like more information about St. John's mission to know Christ and make Christ known, visit our website, stjohnslutheran.church. May God bless you on this day and in all the days ahead.